You're listening to Her Body on Body IOFM, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance, with your host, Alex Navarro. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro, and today we have a in-house guest, which I know I, I always talk about enjoying having people in the studio with me because, you know, something about talking to someone and seeing their face is just, uh, you know, it's a little funner, I think, than talking to the outside world by myself in my room. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have English Taylor in the house. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you. Um, English and I met actually through some friends, and I more recently uh, realized what she does for a living, and I was super excited and intrigued because I've kind of been looking for someone like you for a while who not only, you know, well, I'll let you tell them what you do and then why I was excited. So, who are you? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'm going to ask you like a million questions. Yeah, of course. I'm so flattered to be here. I remember uh, taking yoga classes with you at the pad, and mm-hmm. my girlfriends and I would be on one side of the studio and be like, who is that beautiful woman in the front row at Nicole Cronin's reboot class? And then I got to meet you through Nicole, mm-hmm. and I'm just so flattered to be here. So thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so a little bit about me. I am a women's health and wellness writer. I specialize in reproductive health, so I cover everything from fertility to hormones to sex. I recently wrote an article about male fertility strategies, too, so I'm kind of venturing over into men's reproductive wellness as well. So I write for big publications and also small women's health startups on all of those issues. Some of my clients include Lola, Thinks. I'm also a contributor at Refinery29, Apartment Therapy, Nylon. I've been doing it for about six years now, but I've only been doing it full-time for about two months. And really, I just see myself as a women's health advocate, so trying to help women make more informed, intuitive decisions about their health, ask more questions, and seek more information. And I kind of came about it both from... Uh, personal experiences and also, you know, personal attributes. I'm naturally really curious, love to ask questions, so that makes me well-suited for writing and interviewing, but also just kind of experiences that I've had as a patient and Mm -hmm. seeing doctors and also struggling with my own health. I mean, I feel like that's always sort of the the, the kickstart for a lot of people's interests is yeah. like, well, they're, they're something that they've struggled with, kind of like my own too. It was like, well, this is something I was trying to figure out for myself. And mm-hmm. then through that process, I discovered all of this relevant information that I feel like needs to be shared. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was about two years ago now. I had just moved to San Francisco and I remember going to a brand new gynecologist to get an IUD. A lot of my friends had just gotten them. I had heard... Sort of the hip thing to do. The hip thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had heard both 
positive and negative things about them. Uh, but I sat down and I talked with her. And of course, you know, I'm probably a physician's worst nightmare. I come with like 15 or 20 questions prepared. And she, just, you should. she, just, she just didn't have time to answer all of them. I recently read that general practitioners on average spend about 19 minutes uh, with each patient. And obviously, I'm so grateful to them because they're providing such fundamental care to the masses. But I just really craved more. I wanted to know more about this device that was going to be inserted in my uterus <laughs> and probably stay there for, you know, up to, you know, maybe 10 to 12 years. Right. So kind of a big decision. Absolutely. And because I wanted more information, I went back home. And I think a lot of women probably do this. I turned to the Internet. And I found a lot of content online that was only really presenting anecdotal information. And the next article just resourced and requoted that same anecdotal information right. that was in the last article. So I ended up digging into the science. So I spent hours, you know, scouring PubMed, NCBI, trying to find clinical studies and actually translate some of that really complicated medical jargon into stuff that I could actually understand. Yeah. And that, I think, was sort of a turning point for me in my career. I realized that there was a really, uh, there was a lack of really, you know, fun, engaging content that you'd want to read that was also rooted in clinical clinical evidence right. and real medical research. So that's kind of when I started. My One of my first pieces was on how IUDs actually work, and that was about two years ago now, and I really tried to you know, only source, uh, only interview experts and source clinical studies. But I also, you know, I try to keep it real and fun too. You know, I'm not afraid to talk about how, you know, I found a black hair on my chin or that I put my I bra- loved that article. Yeah, it's- <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> or that, you know, like I poop my brains out when I'm on my period. My friends and I fond- fondly refer to those as period poops. But um, <laughs> it's just like a nice balance between uh, – you know, again, just engaging, fun, funny content that's Mm -hmm. actually, you know, rooted in real science. So hopefully, you know, filling a gap in not only sort of uh, helping myself figure out these issues, but also hopefully helping other women do the same. Absolutely. Well, I think your approach, um, and and I love your writing style too, and we'll put links to some of your stuff uh, so people can check it out too. But it's, well, it's just very relatable. Yes, you're providing some facts, which is super important obviously and that's what people are interested in it's like the actual information what's relevant to them Um, but you're just you're presenting it in such a relatable way where like yes oh my god I I know some people who found some dark chin (laughs) dark hairs on their chin too and like that's what this could mean Um, and that it's like a normal thing absolutely and I mean a lot of one of my closest girlfriends came to me the other day and she was like English I have the Paragard IUD the copper IUD I'm really concerned about copper toxicity and right. uh, getting that from having the Paragard. Mm-hmm. Can you dig into the science or interview someone and tell me about it? So a lot of my stuff comes from my own personal experiences right. and also my friends' personal experiences. And I think, you know, I should also add that I'm not a doctor. I have zero medical degrees. But I actually think in a way that can be helpful because I'm not going to use any medical jargon that you right. only find in med school textbooks and I'm really approaching it as 
a real patient and a real woman who struggles with these things. And, you know, I don't know all the answers, but right. sometimes I sometimes I think that can actually make an article a little bit better. Agreed. Well, and you're looking at all the different views. Totally. You're not just, you know, you don't, you're not bringing your own bias into it, which yeah. I think a lot of medi- medical professionals have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've talked about this on the show before, especially like going through the pregnancy and knowing know what my doctor's gonna tell me to do or not to do and knowing that that might not be the only answer Mm -hmm. like well that's your you know your experience and your opinion and what you were taught and have practiced for however long you've been a doctor and you probably Mm -hmm. haven't gone outside of that box in either a really long time or ever yeah and you know they're focused on outcomes and making sure that all patients are safe and they want to publish it Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, which I totally understand. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, there's more information that I should know about. I'd rather know my options. Absolutely. And I mean, every woman deserves to have the type of contraception that she wants, the type of birth and the type of pregnancy that she wants. Mm -hmm. So, well, it's hard too when, you know, when you're talking about birth control, because it's something that I talk a lot about with clients and I need to know those types of things yeah not only are they taking it what kind are they taking is it hormonally based is it not how Mm -hmm. long have they had it you know all of this information because it's super relevant to someone having success or not success um when you're trying to change the way that you eat because it plays a huge role it's chocolate cravings yeah i mean whether it's (laughs) like you know when it comes down to cravings and we're having a hard time you know controlling the uh the diet or, you know, sort of being good, which everyone, that's what they say is like, I'm either being good or I'm not, which I hate also. There's no good or bad when it comes to eating. It's more of like, well, what are you experiencing? Um, but, you know, when someone is trying to stay the course on a program sure. and then every month they're coming up with these cravings that they're having a hard time fighting. Yeah. It's like, well, is it is it a result of that? Mm-hmm. Is that something that we could change? Um or there's crazy water retention that's happening around certain times of their cycle. Yeah. And maybe it does have something to do with the type of birth control they're on. Maybe sure. it doesn't. But even if we're aware of that being a potential cause, yeah. we know that that's the cause then and it has nothing to do with the way we're eating. Right. Absolutely. And so, that can probably help people feel a little bit less guilty. And also with that information comes power. They feel more in control, yep. able to maybe make modifications mm-hmm. or at least know what the underlying cause is. And that's... So freeing. Yes. I think you used that word earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freeing, definitely. Well, especially if someone's, you know, I try not to have people weigh themselves every week because it can get a little, you know, they can get in their head about about that. But I always say never do measurements the week of your cycle. Mm. Ever. It's just pointless um, unless you know your body super well and you can look at it objectively, whatever information you do get from that oh week's measurements. I like, wish I could be one of those women. If you are <laughs> if you know you hold a bunch of water and you feel super bloated, like why would you go and measure your waist? Yeah. Not a good idea. Totally. Unless you want to do it and then you're like, well, I know it's because of this and I'm not going to get upset about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're probably also going to get more upset than you would normally. Yeah. Because absolutely. you're PMSing. It's interesting what the science and sort of clinical evidence says about birth control and weight gain because I don't think there's anything really conclusive out there yet. When you look at the, I don't know if side effect, potential side effects are listed on the back of birth control packets, but of course, you know, maybe when you're discussing it with your doctor, a lot of gynecologists will say side effects can include weight gain. 
Oh, by the way, they can also include weight loss. <laughs> Women report both. Right. And it really just depends on how your body reacts to hormones. But I was, I've never written an article about it, but I'm really interested in exploring it. And one of the sources that I consistently turn to is the Cochrane Collaboration. They produce really amazing reviews of all of the clinical studies and evidence that are out there on a certain topic. So if you're ever curious about a health issue, I strongly suggest just Googling Cochrane Review, insert X symptom, symptom or X issue that you're having trouble with. And they came out with something in, I think, June of 2017. They reviewed all of these studies that had been done on weight gain and birth control. And it was really difficult to find any that used a control group, which is something that's Mm -hmm. really important for a medical study because – um, I mean, if I were a woman, a woman participating in the study, I definitely wouldn't want to be in the placebo group. So it's it's it's, it's hard. <laughs> that to, could be very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just because hormonal birth control, I mean, there's pros and cons, but it is really effective and very reliable. But it's probably hard to find a control group, a group of women who are maybe taking like sugar pills or right. something that's not working. So I think a lot of the research is inconclusive. I've come across studies that say, yes, weight gain can happen, but also, no, there's nothing that we can find. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm curious to hear more about what you've learned from both maybe clients anecdotally and you obviously read a lot and are very informed in the space. So eager to learn more from you too. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, definitely for what I've seen and and just conversations I've had with clients who are on a hormonal birth control is if for those who did experience some weight gain and it's hard to say too, again, because so many people don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Tracking symptoms. They're tracking. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And or tracking weight or things like that. A lot of people are are just out of touch with their bodies. So, you know, six months could go by and all of a sudden they're like, oh, my gosh, I gained 10 pounds. How did that happen? Which is then frustrating because, well, we don't know what happened. Was it? Did it happen all of a sudden? Was this like a gradual gain over the past six months? Did it start? As soon as you started the birth control, did it start before? Um, And what I've noticed a lot is more on the psychological side of things, Mm because these are conversations I'll have with clients as well, around like the behavior of their eating patterns and and being hyper-conscious of those, which could be more than helpful. Totally. And what we're trying to do is, well, a lot of them who are on the hormonal birth control But this also can happen for someone who's not on birth control Mm -hmm. and they just naturally (laughs) experience cravings around that time of the month. Well, maybe in taking the birth control, those cravings were more intense. Mm. Maybe they struggled more with, you know, just enjoying the foods that they were craving in abundance versus having a little bit more control and not indulging is the, the the weight gain happened because those cravings were more intense and they you know indulged in them sure well that's not necessarily a direct cause of the birth control that's the birth control caused these cravings maybe to be more intense or and i hate using willpower as a word but sometimes, again, the psychological side of things can uh, get the best of us. And then we just give in to those things. And maybe we just 
we're more overindulging than we would have otherwise. Yeah. And that's where the weight gain is coming from. That I've been there before that you you're know, like, screw daily, it. That, give, me the, give me the chocolate. That daily piece of dark chocolate around my time of the month mm-hmm. uh, that turns into more like a full bar. So, right. Right. <laughs> well, then you're like, well, I've already had one piece. Yeah, exactly. I might as well eat the whole thing. So I would say just from experience, that seems to be more of a direct cause mm. than the hor- than the birth control itself. Yeah. And I'm curious just to dive a little bit deeper and get into specifics. Have you noticed uh, like within there's so many varieties of hormonal yes. birth control yes. and even, you know, there's the Paragard, which uses copper, which is toxic to sperm to prevent pregnancy. There's, uh, we were talking about low estrogen earlier, so estrogen-based mm-hmm. birth control, also progesterone implants and IUDs, like the Mirena, I have the Mirena, yep. which uses progesterone to prevent ovulation. Yeah. And that's one of the most common ones that I see ah, clients have, Okay, is that one. I uh, mm-hmm. I recently read a study uh, that was put out by Planned Parenthood that actually said that IUDs are the preferred option mm-hmm. of contraception among women health, women's health providers, which... I thought was really interesting too. I wonder why. I mean, yeah. the convenience factor is huge. You go in, they put it in. You don't have to think about it again mm-hmm. for a really long time. Totally. Yeah. Goodbye to those daily cell phone alarms that remind you to take your birth control pill right. every day. Exactly. Well, I was and so bad about that. I know I was too <laughs> back back when I took that. Um, but also, there's the. Oh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh. Um, uh, oh, the. The benefit of not having your period because some people don't get it again. Yep. Mm-hmm. And obviously that sounds great. Well, hey, why would you even have to worry about that if you don't have to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I it's mean, very appealing. I had really horrible uh, period symptoms before I got my IUD. And those have for the most part gone away. And I just really experienced light spotting. Mm-hmm throughout the month. But going back to the original question, looking at sort of those different types of hormonal birth controls, using different hormones, or, you know, even the Paragard IUD, uh, have you noticed like any trends depending on what your clients are using? More so on the higher estrogen-based ones. Okay. Um, symptoms did seem, because A, there was they were having a regular period. Yeah. Um, the symptoms, for the most part, seemed to be more intense, mm-hmm. whether it was like emotional or... Um, cravings, things like that. Yeah. And then there was also the side of like water retention, which I talked about earlier. Right. Or uh, more obvious, how do I describe it? Um, I'll say symptoms, I guess, uh, around ovulation. Mm. So a lot of people were experiencing bloat, gas, like just digestional discomfort. Oh, yeah. Around that time of the month. Um, So Having tracked those things, having clients be able to track those things and pay attention makes Mm -hmm. the eating part a little bit easier. Yeah. Again, just more so that we're we're noticing that those aren't necessarily related. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, every month I'm feeling terrible and bloated and gassy and puffy and like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, And they're not freaking out about it because it has nothing to do with what we're eating. Exactly. It has everything to do with what your body is going through at that time, and it's going to happen again. Yeah. And if we know that, it just takes a lot of pressure off yourself as to like, okay, well, we're not going to do measurements that week also. Um, yeah. But don't stress out about it. It's going to go away. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and any woman who's had a normal period, well, not even a normal period, had a period, you've at some point experienced, you know, the feelings that come up around that time of the month where sure. you're like, I don't feel good. Yeah. I just feel poopy in general. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm tired. You know, maybe you break out a little bit. Like, it's not a fun time. Not there's, I don't think I've ever met a woman who was like, yay, I'm going to get my period. Oh, even though, I mean, it represents, you know, (laughs) such a beautiful thing and an incredible capability. But it can often be really uncomfortable. Oh, for sure. In like every possible way. Yeah. I get very headachy about five days out. Just like a dull, achy headache. That's really annoying. Um, but again, knowing that like that's what it is and that's it's I can anticipate it coming rather than be caught in it and being like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. And being frustrated at myself. Like, why am I so tired today? Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Well, I give myself way more credit. I can plan activities around that now or not plan activities and plan more like I'm going to take a longer nap today. Self-care <laughs> all the way. Like having that information about yourself is super helpful. Absolutely. And I really think that we're getting to a point, too, where we talked earlier about how still, you know, hard to tell for sure if birth control does cause weight gain. But I think now we can even take that kind of stuff a step further. So digestive issues during your period, it's, you know, it's great to be able to say like, okay, I know I'm going to experience those symptoms Mm -hmm. around this time of the month. But Science is now able to tell us that, you know, a lot of uh, researchers and doctors have discovered that hormone receptors actually line our GI tract. So when estrogen and progesterone interact with those receptors, they influence our physical responses. So it's known that, you know, estrogen can cause our GI tract to kind of expand. Mm. There's, you know, diarrhea. That's why you're making maybe a couple extra trips to the bathroom. Progesterone, on the other hand, I think it causes uh, those muscles to contract. So a lot of cramping, maybe even some constipation. Um, And that's kind of their best guess right now. But I think as women's reproductive health becomes, you know, better funded and there's more research, we'll be able to know even more. So it's great knowing, you know, like, yeah, I know I'm about to start my period. I might experience these types of things. That gives you a little bit more control, can help yourself calm down. But even digging a little bit deeper and understanding how it's actually working on a physiological right. level can be really comforting. Yeah, too. absolutely. I mean, and, and if you were to be like, you know, I really like experimenting on myself at this point because, yeah. you know, I know enough about my body and sort of what I can anticipate it doing or not doing or reacting to certain things granted it's it is a little different now after the baby Mm -hmm. um so I'm kind of getting to know it again and I don't know if it's gonna stay this way (laughs) or if this is like you know just a little more postpartum phase and then things will go back to the way they were I don't know yeah but when it comes to my cycle like things are far more intense than they were before but and so now I'm just being like uber (laughs) conscious and tracking everything because I want to know like is this going to be my new normal yeah um and what is that like is that like I'm experiencing you know I have a sensation like what is that did I eat something yeah um and that's been interesting to then okay I've paid attention to this I know that I am going to get extra bloated and extra gassy around this time which by the way never got gassy before so I was like what the heck is going on? <laughs> I'm really sorry to everybody around me. <laughs> well, I experienced that just, now, so I can only imagine what it's going to be like if maybe I right. have a child. But maybe it could go away maybe too. Going to have to ask my partner to leave the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, actually, it never came out. I just experienced, um, and I could hear it. Like my stomach's like percolating. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh <laughs> what yeah, is that? Kind of, that was really loud. <laughs> like when your stomach kind of bubbles. Yes. Um, 
And so after, okay, two months in tracking that, and now I'm like, well, maybe I could experiment with eating or not eating certain things around that time and see if it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it won't be as intense. Like I'm not going to go and eat a you know, a head of cauliflower um, when I know I'm already going to be a little bit bloated and gassy. Like, why would I do that? (laughs) Don't throw those. Is it cruciferous or cruciferous? Cruciferous. Cruciferous. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't (laughs) eat Brussels sprouts. Broccoli, cauliflower. Cabbage. Not a good idea. Yeah. Um, But, you know, having that information and deciding like, oh, this is something that I could experiment with. Yeah. Um, And having those tools. And again, I'm just tracking. I don't know if there's you know, a link between them. I don't know if it would make it worse, but all I can do is give it a try, pay attention, make a note about it, and then move on. Yeah. How's it going so far? Um, Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I only just, just tried it, so not quite enough information. I feel like I need like three months of information yeah. to know like, well, was that a fluke? Totally. My next know. question was going to be kind of like how many months do you give it until you are able to confidently say, okay, I think that this is a trend. Now I'm going to try making maybe a modification or mm-hmm. try doing something to make the symptom a little bit less painful or less uncomfortable next month. So around three months. Yeah, said? I would say three to four. And part of the reason that is that, and I've talked about this on the show before, is yeah. that um, and maybe you know some information about this, but when you ovulate, you alternate sides mm-hmm. of which you ovulate on. And right. granted, I've only had my period back. I'm on my third month of having it back post baby. Um, and first of all, I never experienced ovulation symptoms before. Like didn't know when it was happening. Everyone kept saying like, oh, you'll feel like a twinge. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. What, what is, what's a twinge? I also never experienced cramping around my period. Wow. Ever. Okay. So like I was like, I don't know what that is. I think I had a cramp once. And my friend was like, screw you. <laughs> that's, yeah, I, that's, well, yeah, finish, uh, so finish your thought. So you want at least three months because you want to know, does one ovulation side have more symptoms than the other, which mm-hmm. is super common. You could have far worse PMS when you ovulate only on the right side. So you want to have that information to know, well, is it going to be the same every month or is it this going to happen every other month? And so when you're playing with food, you need to have at least, I would say four months because you want two cycles on each side. Very interesting. And what's more interesting is that some people can ovulate twice on one side and once on the other. So maybe you don't go right, left, right, left. I see. Okay, so I You could go have, right, right, left, right, right. So February, March could be my right side, and then April rolls around, and hey, left side. Yep. Okay. And again, I but pre-baby, I could never, I never knew what side it was. I just knew, knew that every other month was more intense, and, um, but I didn't know which side was causing that because I couldn't feel anything. I feel everything now. Is the only way that women can tell what side they're ovulating on is from that potential twinge or are there other symptoms or experiences that they not that i know of yeah not that i and i'm not sure if that's something that you could find out from the doctor either yeah i don't know if that's i haven't done any research on that that's so so interesting though um but again just knowing that information you can kind of anticipate yeah what's yeah, okay, my symptoms are worse every time I ovulate on my right, and that's coming up this month. So let's, like, be proactive about it mm-hmm. and plan. Um, and then, well, again, you're just – you're going to be better equipped 
and not like have the, the mini freakouts or meltdowns that we often have. Totally. When you're all of a sudden caught in the moment and you're like, what's going on? Yeah, the what's going on just tends to make things a lot worse. Okay, I have a question for yes. you. You said you never experienced cramps. So I recently did an article for a women's health startup out of Philadelphia called Bento on pain management solutions during labor. And the the <laughs> um, the obstetrician that I was interviewing mentioned that a lot of women are like the pain factor is a huge source of anxiety for mm-hmm. women and uh, birthing couples going through this process. And he offered the comparison of he's like, imagine a menstrual cramp, but just incredibly enhanced and intensified. And that can offer some women relief because they can say, okay, my body's, you know, naturally experienced this before, but of course, to a lesser degree. I'm so curious to hear about how did did that did those contract because of course it's the same muscle contracting right. yeah. uh, during your period and during uh, labor contractions mm-hmm. did that totally take you by surprise I know you really <laughs> trained for labor and I loved yeah. your perspective on it you it's the most difficult physical thing your f- body's ever going to go through so mm-hmm. you trained for it yeah. I loved loved that <laughs> philosophy um, but was that just kind of like oh my god like what is that what is that sensation yeah pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and we'll, we're going to do another episode on like more details around that um, because I actually got a lot of questions ah. um, from listeners. But one specifically asked like, what was the pain oh like? Oh my gosh. Of course, the, <laughs> sorry, the journalist and interviewer in me is coming out. Totally fine. <laughs> whenever you say something like, oh, five questions. Yeah. yeah. I feel like whenever I'm with you, my list of questions just, yeah. Grows and grows. <laughs> grows <probably>. and grows. <laughs> That's a good sign though. Good, good. <laughs> Um, yes, it did catch me by some, well, I mean, it didn't because I, I anticipated like, okay, this is, I don't know what this is going to be like, but it's going to happen soon. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to pay attention and try to like describe it as much as possible. Describe it? Yeah. Cool. Um, more for myself to like, oh, this is what this is feeling like. I know it's going to become more intense over the course of however long this is going to take. Um, but I do remember when, like, I first called the doctor to tell them that my my water broke. They were like, you know, are you having contractions? Like, what is the intensity? And what's the – they all asked, like, what the pain um, scale was. Yeah. And I was like, well, I have no reference point for, like, pain. Well, yeah, I also have a very high pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, well, is, like, 10 – I'm dying? And, like, one's, like <laughs> – I don't feel anything. Like what? What's this? What's the scale exactly? I need. I need better markers. Yeah. <laughs> for like how to judge this. <laughs> um, and I'm sure. I wonder if one of the markers is even a menstrual cramp. I think it is. I think that was like a like a two or a three. Okay. And I was like, well, I never had that before, so I'm just gonna wait for any kind of sensation. And I remember the first time I got one, I was like, I think it's happening. I think. I think I just had a contraction. Wow. I'm not really sure. But, and then up, and then within like a half an hour, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> They're here. <laughs> but even then, it was like the, you know, there's something to be said about, yes, I trained for it. And I knew that it was going to be like this event. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I also knew that it was, my body was designed to do this. Yep. And it's going to have an end point. Yep. Like, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. And I think just having that that mindset around it did make the process um, 
more manageable or more uh, like approachable. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen and we're going to go through it and I have no idea how long it's going to last mm-hmm. um, or the severity of it. But like I have this awesome team of people that are here to support me through it who have watched and helped, you know, well, she had done like 80 other women prior to me, you know, all successfully. Yeah. They all had the baby. Is your doula um, or yeah, midwife? Doula. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. You know, everyone had their baby. And the pain ended for all of them. Yeah. So, like, it, that's what's going to happen with me. <laughs> like, it's not going to be forever. Um, but I don't know how long it's going to be. And, again, like, having had her and, and, like, the prep work that we did, not only on the physical side, but on the emotional and psychological side of, like, these are things you can think about. Um, staying calm and relaxed and, like, yeah. physically, these are different things that we're going to try to help you move through the process. Mm-hmm. And I think having, like, little tasks along the way sure. helped me progress through it without, yeah. like, having any freakouts or f- having it feel um, unmanageable. Mm-hmm. And when I was going to the birthing center, and I don't want to get too caught up in the birth story again. Sorry, guys. I know we've done this before, and I realize I'm going off on a tangent. We're going to wrap this up really quick. but <laughs> I just need to take you out for dinner and ask you all about your birth story. Yeah. <laughs> but the when I was at one of the classes, like at the birth center, yeah. they talked about, you know, a lot of people were asking, you know, when we're at the birth center, like at what point do you tell people that they should go to the hospital and mm. not stay at the birth center, which was a super common question. Yeah. And they said, well, a lot of women, when they feel like they want to go to the hospital because the pain has gone to an unbearable point. Sure. They said, honestly, that's when the baby's about to come. So that's when you don't want to go. Those last couple of really strong. When you are feeling to the point where you've hit your threshold, the baby's going to come. And if we hang out five more minutes, 90% of the time, the baby arrives. Wow. So, again, just remembering that. And I had all that, also had that conversation with the doula. Like, yeah. When she, when she was like, if you ever get to the point where you're like, I've had enough, give us five more minutes. <laughs> you know, and every, you know, we don't know how long that part will take, actually. But um, that's, that, that's a good sign. Like, we're yeah. waiting for you to get to that point. That's awesome. So, that's I, all I'm going to um, say about that. I am in doula training right now, actually, to become a birth doula. And one of the instructors used this incredible metaphor in class last week uh, of uh, a labyrinth. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Yeah. So a lot of women, they'll actually go to Grace Cathedral, which has a labyrinth here in San Francisco. And uh, the pregnant women and their partners and their family or their loved ones will actually walk the labyrinth. And the whole idea is that uh, a labyrinth isn't a maze. So you never really feel like uh, you're lost. Or, right. I mean, it's possible to feel like you're lost. But labyrinths, uh, you no matter where you are, you're one step ahead of where you used to be. So right. it's always progressing, even though, you know, you turn that corner and you have a whole nother row or a whole nother right. circle. Eventually, there's this beautiful opening, which translates really nicely to the opening of the cervix and the baby coming out. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but I thought that was super beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I think having that visual helps too. Totally. Big time. And I think a lot of, uh, I was doing some reading on sort of a woman's natural blueprint for birth, and we forget a lot about how 
women have been giving birth naturally for so, so long. We were all born. Since the beginning of time. Yeah. And our body actually is very well designed to support us through labor. Certain hormones are released to help those muscles and ligaments soften, help our cervix open also. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what you were talking about sort of being relaxed. There's one really famous uh, French gynecologist and he says, we just need to put women in a bathroom, make sure the lights are off and really dark and their bodies, they they know what to do. As Mm -hmm. long as they feel relaxed and calm, then yeah, Mm -hmm. um, we're sort of naturally designed to be able to accommodate labor and birth, which I just think is is really cool. Yeah, it is. So there's some sort of natural tools that you can rely on, which can also be really comforting. Yes. Well, I think that's going to be true in all of the stages. Totally. Not necessarily through pregnancy, but like when you do get your period, like this is mm-hmm. a natural process. And yep. yes, some people have more extreme symptoms and periods than other people do. Um, but knowing that it's going to happen again, probably every month <laughs> for a really, really long time. Yep. Um, you know, and just knowing how you process it, what your body goes through, mm-hmm. and being okay with that. Yeah. You're going to be better equipped to handle it every time it does come. Um, but you're not going to have the many freakouts. And I, I just, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with clients who I talk to on a weekly basis. Yeah. Where, you know, the third week of every month, we have the same conversation. <laughs> and you're probably are they noticing it as well of I yes. would imagine okay yeah. yes they're like this is what's happening I'm like, okay <laughs> can we just check the calendar really quick I feel like I call my mom and I do that at the same time every month but of course I'm not very aware and she's like oh you, you know we had this conversation four weeks ago and exactly like, oh, oh but you know <laughs> that's okay me. <laughs> too that's okay and and it's more of like I know where they're at <laughs> maybe yeah. they don't even but I can also then be equipped to have the conversation that they need to have with them. Yeah. You know, for me to be able to say the right things, to reassure them, to talk them off the ledge, which I do all the time, talk people off the ledge. Um, there's no reason to get close to the edge. We're fine. You're okay. <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> Give yourself a break. It's going to be okay. Ah, oh, sounds like you're you know, very good at what you do. A lot of hand holding, which I love too. Like that's uh, that's my favorite part of the job. Yeah, this um, is hard. It is. It's really hard, and and I think as women, we get really into in our heads about things mm-hmm. far more than is serving to us. And you know, sometimes it's just having a, a voice of reason. Yeah. Or a mirror, like, hey, it's okay. And say it, what you need to say. Yeah. <laughs> get it out. An objective voice of reason, good. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably what's so beneficial about, you know, maybe me calling my mom, who obviously has yes. a very strong interest in my well-being, is going to get upset herself when mm-hmm. I'm really upset, um, versus maybe a coach or someone I'm working with who can take that kind of more objective right. viewpoint. I really, I feel like, uh, both from, you know, a tracking perspective, being aware of your body and noticing what's going on, and... Even from a writing perspective, putting information out there, I feel like the phrase that's really starting to kind of become or, yeah, kind of become like my philosophy, both personally and professionally, is information is power. Yep, absolutely. Whether you're tracking symptoms or whether you're reviewing an article online or asking questions. Right. Well, and it's hard, too. It's like, well, what questions do I ask? Who do I ask them to? You know, maybe mm-hmm. obviously I would say your gynecologist could be your 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 first point. 
of reference, but also know that maybe like they don't have the time. Um, maybe they don't even have all the information mm-hmm. because they're only well adversed in like giving the IUD and yeah. they don't know about other sources, but you want to know. And I think it's okay. Well, that would be the first easy step is have that conversation with someone mm-hmm. who is informed. And then it's another to like, well, where are you searching articles? Like you experienced like find incredible resources. Um, that isn't just viewing random facts or not facts, <laughs> anecdotal information. Totally. or like using scare tactics. Right, which yeah. can be. Oh, yeah. I found myself up at, you know, 2 a.m. just going down the rabbit hole of Google, I'm just sure. freaking myself out, <laughs> that hypochondriac in me. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely been there. Um, so maybe it's more kind of information and intuition is power. Right. And I mean, making informed and intuitive decisions for yourself. I mean, there's nothing more powerful or you know beautiful and freeing and empowering than that yeah absolutely well and it's one thing to like make the decision to get on birth control because I know that's what we're talking a little bit more specifically about right now yeah but that's also just as important for those who are want to get off of it Mm -hmm. because you know just like you can anticipate you know these could be potential symptoms for taking this birth control yeah um that you can pay attention to but if someone has then decided to get off birth control it's like well okay you could experience all of these things as well yeah in addition to x y and z that maybe you weren't experiencing you know when you had the iud because you're not ovulating you're not getting that same monthly hormonal response so you could get off and then experience all of the ones that you didn't for however long you were on yeah. it and realize that you're like <laughs> yeah. in this most emotional storm mm-hmm. that you didn't anticipate. Yeah. Um, and then knowing that your body is going to go through an adaptive period where it's going to try to find its natural hormonal groove again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you've been on it for 10 years and now not only have you not had that, but you're older. And then your body is going to try to find its new rhythm that it didn't have It was in a different groove before. So there's just so many factors that I think people don't, well, obviously women, uh, don't even consider. For sure. And then they get off and they're like, all of these things are happening and I I don't know what's going on with me. It's like, oh, you got off birth control. Yeah. Actually, I have a question for you. It's funny you bring up going off birth control. I've been thinking about, right now I have the Mirena, uh, the progesterone-based IUD. And I got it a couple of years ago and I've been thinking about going off of it because I've made a lot of pretty significant lifestyle changes Mm -hmm. since moving to San Francisco. Uh, I was in grad school when I got it, very stressed out, probably not taking as optimal care of myself as I should have been. And I'm just really curious to see how my body might do now that I've made some adjustments to my diet, physical exercise. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to have, like I said earlier, really horrible uh, periods, very heavy flows, terrible cramping really bad breakouts especially along my jawline horrible digestive issues and I'm wondering now maybe if I got it off because of some of those lifestyle shifts that I've made if my symptoms might be better and I do know anything about this or how you know diet and lifestyle might impact period symptoms yeah significantly but I've also I've I've gotten older uh so that might have something to do with it too Mm -hmm. but yeah I'm I'm, I'm thinking about it and starting to kind of make more informed steps, talking to a lot of people, doing a lot of research. Maybe yep. maybe I'll write an article about there it. There you go. There yeah, you go. I can interview you about the <laughs> diet and uh, exercise portion. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, well, I know we had talked about it a little bit, and I'm just going to 
mention this because yeah. of what I experienced and how it could be relevant for someone who was, you know, either mm-hmm. getting on birth control or getting off or even experimented with different types is um, I was on it, a hormonal, an estrogen-based um, birth control when I was younger. So funny story is, and I meant if we talked about this earlier, is my main reason for getting on birth control when I was young was because all of my friends got on it in high school and they all got really big boobs. And, um, and I wanted boobs and I didn't have any at the time. And I was like, oh, well, that's clearly what I should do. You know, I had tissues falling out of my bra at the middle school dance. So at least maybe you were a little less obvious than me. I, well, yeah, it never fell out, but it was in there. So I got on birth control. I was like 14, I think. Um, I was not having sex, but I just wanted big boobs and all of my friends had great boobs and so I was like oh I'll get on birth control so I went to Planned Parenthood I got on an estrogen based one and uh didn't really experience any awkward symptoms but again I I didn't pay attention back then so who knows all I know is that I did not get boobs and I started getting really bad headaches oh like no really boobs, bad, headache. bad headaches not what I was going for uh so then I went back because I started getting really bad actually like migraines and making it hard to function and do things so I went back and she was like oh you could maybe take one with a lower estrogen level Mm -hmm. I think I went through like four different oral Mm -hmm. contraceptions contraceptives um, until I realized that those were not good for me Um, one of them gave me really bad anxiety which I had never experienced before and I remember being in traffic and freaking out and realizing okay this isn't right like something's really really wrong yeah but it took that extreme experience for me to realize like oh maybe it's that and then I ended up using the NuvaRing Mm -hmm. um, which worked really well it was far easier because I didn't have to remember to (laughs) take a pill every day which I was terrible about and I was on that for about four years and then when I got off of it um I just, I had been having issues with, with water retention yeah. and I was only super aware of it because I was, had started competing in the fitness competitions and you know, you're really, you're trying to get rid of water rate and you're manipulating water and you want to look really dry on stage. And, um, all of a sudden I was having issues and I didn't know if it was the food and I was controlling the food in every way that I knew how. And so I decided to get off. And at that point, I was like, maybe I just my body needs a break. I wasn't like dating anybody. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, this is a good time to do it. Yeah. So funny enough, I got off in June. I met Kiefer, who's the creator of the Carbonite Solution, Carb Backloading, in October. And I started working with him in October for my I used, so I used the Carbonite Solution for my first competition. And I didn't even think to mention the fact that I hadn't gotten my period back to him. Because, again, I hadn't put those pieces together yet as like, oh, this could be relevant to that. So it's October and you hadn't gotten a period since June? Since June. Okay. Um, But every month I was experiencing symptoms. Like like it was going to come and I was like, oh, this is going to be the month because I'm experiencing the symptoms. But then it never came. And then I'm preparing for the show in November and I'm getting closer and he keeps asking me if I'm cheating on the diet. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Like I do what I'm told. Yeah. And I wanted to know if this method, this approach to eating, because it was vastly different from anything I had done before. So I want to know if this is really working. So no, I'm like doing everything to a T that you're telling me. That you're telling me to have four ounces? Like I'm, it's four ounces. 
<laughs> I'm weighing that stuff. It's, it's specific. And he's like, gosh, I just, I don't know why you're like holding water. And again, I didn't even think about it. Didn't put that connection together. And went through the competition, did the whole full water manipulation that I would have normally done, mm-hmm. but was still awkwardly holding it. And in the back of my head, I'm like, the diet's not working. Oh. Like I was like, crap, you know? Like this isn't. I've invested so much time and effort into following. And this I really diet. wanted this to work because it's it's new and it's far more freeing than any other approach, which I've obviously talked about before. And then the show go the show comes and it goes, and then a month later I go back to my gynecologist because she says, "Well, if after six months it hasn't come back, come and we'll talk about your options because six months is long enough for your body to figure get its groove again." Sure. So then I go back and because it hadn't come and she's like, well, let's do a round of progesterone mm-hmm. and see if it comes back. And it should. She said, I'll give you 10 day cycle. After the 10 days, it should come. Well, within two days of taking it, my period came back. Wow. And magically, all of the water weight fell off. And then all of a sudden I realized that that was the problem. So then I remember telling Kiefer and he was like, why didn't you tell me that before? I'm like, I didn't, I didn't put those pieces together yet. And I was still really into the nutrition side of things and uh, paying attention to only so much about my body. Yeah. And not putting that hormonal co- connection together. Mm. And so that's been interesting to think about in terms of clients. And so if these are having these goals and are having these, these symptoms or experiences um, around even just water retention, uh, yeah. th- those are always questions I'm going to ask. Yeah. And I mean... I think that makes you an even more informed and trustworthy source on those types of issues because of the story that you just told. Is that when you really recognize sort of the importance and the the importance of hormones and how much they can impact the body? Yes, but also no, because I I figured it out for myself and how it was relevant. Yeah. But it wasn't until I started specifically doing more nutrition work with clients. Gotcha. More specifically women, because at first I was just doing everybody. Mm-hmm. And then I realized how different we were than yeah. men. And we have our own handful of, um, I'm going to say issues, but uh, factors that we need to keep in mind. Yeah. Not only for a regular cycle, but for your age. Because it's going to be different for a woman who has her period and has these symptoms when she's 20 versus someone who's 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, just having the experience of working with a lot of people, having the experience of working with a lot of people who have been on various types of birth control or not. Yeah. Um, having different hormonal levels uh, mm-hmm. because someone could, you know, and why did you go on birth control? Is it because you had bad, a bad period? Yeah. And this is what's going to help regulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe your symptoms were really extreme and now having the marina is going to, reduce those symptoms so you can like be more comfortable totally yeah I mean it reduced my symptoms which really helped um I was in a relationship and was having sex so Mm -hmm. I was looking for something that was really effective too I wasn't ready to have a baby um and those were really the primary reasons Mm -hmm. that I decided to use it but of course you know I went into it with the mindset of I'm going to give this an adjustment period I'm going to see how I do if something's not feeling right or if I know deep down that my body just doesn't feel comfortable or if my symptoms for some reason get worse Mm -hmm. then I'm gonna try something else but 
for me, it's it's been a good option. That's good. Yeah, but again, I mean, going back to your point, everyone is different, which is probably why it's hard for some of these studies to come up with a conclusive agreement on whether or not, you right. know, birth control influences weight gain because everyone's body reacts differently right. to hormones. And Well, and then their response their action, like the, the actions that they take as a response to the hormones yep. is you can't control that. So I'd be curious to see like, okay, you have a control group mm-hmm. who are all eating the same way. Yep. There's like so many. Like then you have all these other factors. So many variables to control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that, that would be really hard, but super interesting. So interesting. <gasps> who wants to do a study? <laughs> Email us. Info at bodyio.com. <laughs> I don't know that what we would great. do with that, but that would be cool. That would be really cool. You know, maybe uh, – like I said, the Cochrane reviews come out every couple of years. I think the next one's going to be published in 2020. So okay. maybe they'll make some advancements by then. That would be great. Yeah. But, you know, having resources like that, um, articles that are credi- credible articles that mm-hmm. are not just dry information, because I know a lot of people don't want to read those or don't even understand them because I've read ones where I'm like, huh? Well, yeah. What does that mean exactly? Just having it be accessible and easily digestible is... <laughs> going to make people actually want to read the articles? Totally. I mean, no one wants to read stuff filled with medical jargon. But also, I mean, like, no one wants stuff dumbed down for them either. That can be really patronizing and condescending. People want to hear about uh, stories from real women, but broken down in a really kind of informed, but still, you know, elevated way. I Mm -hmm. think people are so informed now and understand a lot more than I think we give them credit for. Definitely. Um, yeah. Well, and there's just a lot more tools, too, and, and something that we actually talked about on our way to the studio was some of the period tracking apps Yeah, and how helpful those can be, mm-hmm. not only for tracking symptoms. Um, like, I use Clue, and I've talked about Clue before. Dude, what do you use? Clue is so Clue is so neat. Clue's cool. Yeah. What I love about it actually is when I put in new information, especially now, mm-hmm. like this little thing pops up and it says, Clue is getting smarter. I'm like, yes. Yeah, because you're giving them I'm more data points. Them information. Totally. <laughs> it's Spe- really cool. Speaking of data points, I think I mentioned this to you, but Clue did this incredible study because, of course, now they have millions of users, and it's been amazing. a really, it's been a really commonly held belief for a long time that women's cycles sync up with each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe oh, if yeah. you have a roommate or you're living at home with your mom or your sister, it's uh, normal to think that oh, like we're gonna have our periods at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, But Clue actually did a study, and they narrowed down women who were using the app who lived in the same environment, and they found that women's cycles are actually more likely to diverge than converge, which I think is so cool. It's kind of like when uh, I think there was an earthquake that hit here a couple years ago, and everyone who Fitbit was able to use their data to see what areas were affected because everyone woke up in the middle of the night. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, but now, I mean, there's there's... Because of FemTech and because of these awesome companies, we're able to, mm-hmm. you know, bust myths, I guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and Clue's great, too, because they, like, if you're on the email list, like, they'll send you really informative articles yeah. on, like, what new findings that they've had. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually a Clue ambassador. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Um, I haven't actually done anything with it, but I am one. That's awesome. <laughs> but they send me uh, more specific articles and things like that, more to, like, the ambassador club. Very about cool. um, maybe research that they're hoping to do soon or some studies that have recently come out. So, yeah. you know, if you don't track your period, you should. Yeah. Um, it's just whether you want to use it in relation to diet 
an exercise or, you know, your body changes. It's just good to know. You're just learning about yourself and your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that information is power. And the more that you know yourself and your body, the better equipped you're going to be to handle anything. Absolutely. At any time. Um, and then be you're be, you're then your own advocate. So yeah. God forbid something you do have an issue with something you can then come to the doctor with as all the information. You can just say this is what I'm experiencing and this is all the information that I have, um, which doctors love. Yeah, because it makes their job so much easier. Totally. But especially if you're someone who's dealing with some extremes around your cycle or you're looking to get pregnant mm-hmm. and maybe you're having a hard time which is really, really common, unfortunately. Um, But again, you're having, presenting all of this information that can just help your cause. Yeah. And I think that's super important. Absolutely. If it's helpful, I use a very bare bones app. I don't think it, I think you have to pay more to get more and more features. And I'm at the lowest level, but it's called Life. It's spelled L-Y-F-E. Interesting. And it's got a nice kind of calendar view. I'm allowed, I click on a day when I start my period and then a red line appears for mm-hmm. the days that I'm going to have it. And then a little green circle appears on the days that I'll ovulate. Nice. And you can also add symptoms to it. But it's a great free app that I've been using for a couple of years now. And I like it. And what's nice too is Clue. You can share Clue. I don't know if all the apps you can do this with, but like I have clients that share their information with me. Oh, that's so So cool. then I can actually see, we're like friends on the app and I can see their charts. Um which will help us if we're just at the early stages and we're trying to figure things out together. Very neat. I can see that information rather than having to ask them like a million questions. Yeah. Has that, uh, has Clue integrated at all into doctor's offices or the medical field? I don't know. I don't think so. That'd be really cool but if a doctor really could cool. say like, hey, can you show me your Clue data? Right. I yeah. mean, they could probably pull up the app, but mm-hmm. like presenting that information ahead of time, I think would make that process a little bit smoother. Yeah. So. I mean, I have so much stuff to, uh, especially with Clue. Yeah. Right, yeah. Got to look into that. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll give us some stuff to talk about the next time. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll wrap things up for now. Um, thank you so much. That was like, a really great conversation. Oh, and of course. I'm hoping that that maybe sparked some more questions for you listeners out there. And, and if you have any, uh, whether it's for myself or for you and you want to write an article about it, like feel free to shoot us a message either on our instagram which by the way is yeah what's your uh i'm uh, at english taylor english like the language at e-n-g-l-i-s-h taylor t-a-y-l-o-r i promote most of my stories mm-hmm. on instagram and i'm also on medium you can probably just search english taylor medium my bio is a women's health writer that covers everything from tampons to taxes and Love why that. the former should be free of the latter yes so you can find me on there too and yeah. we'll put all of your links in the oh, show awesome. notes for everybody so that they can just yeah. click on them and find you right away. So, But if you have any questions for any of us, um, you can ping us on there or you can send questions to info at bodyio.com. Um, and hopefully we can just start tackling some of these these like, these like topics and yeah. some of these more in-depth, in-depth questions that Absolutely. I think will take a little bit more research. But. Yeah. My best articles come from my friends sending me texts being like, what the heck is going on? Can you please? I'm just going to text you all. Write an article. Please. <laughs> I would love that. So always very open to feedback. And yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Her Body. And we will catch you guys next time. Thanks.
You've been listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your host, Alex Navarro. And if you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.